and then we're going to record it, and then we're going to do this, and God knows what will happen after that. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, 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 very pleasant. Uh, good afternoon to you. We're going to talk some geeky space kind of protein. I don't know where we're going to go, but you're going to meet Michael uh, Claridge. Uh, he's a PhD, uh, and uh, you're going to meet him in just a moment. So stay there, and uh, uh, you might want to do a little duct tape, and you can wrap it around your head just in case your head explodes talking about these kind of things. But, you know, well, we like to just because it's fun to dig into areas where we have no idea what we're talking about. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Goff, Kaufman's going to be here tomorrow. Andrew Kaufman is one of the uh, uh, kind of on the leaders on this. Uh, there is no germ. There never was a germ. Show me the virus. It's never been isolated. We're going to find out more about what he's up to now after... They've proven that there is no, there never was a virus, but, you know, what can I say? And then uh, Dr. Elizabeth Bright, who is uh, working with people to do more uh, meat-based things rather to, than to lose weight, to actually have them eat more fat, to get rid of fat, which I know is counterintuitive, but that's the way that one goes, too. Okay, let's, let me tell you a bit about our guest, if I can find the right, the right screen here. Uh, oh, here it is. Michael Clarich, he received his Ph.D. in physics from Brandeis University. He studied the biological and statistical behavior of proteins. He spent several years studying binary pulsars at the, I'm going to have to pronounce this, A-R-E-C-H-I-B-O ratio, radio telescope. He's lectured on discoveries in the areas of, get this, fractional calculus, fractals, and chaotic systems. He lectures, and he understands uh, um, how the relatively dimensions metaphysics of biology. I like that term, because this is what I want to dig into first with Mr. Claridge and Dr. Claridge. Or good, good, good afternoon, sir. Nice to have you here. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. Metaphysics of biology. Now, if I understand that word, and I'm a pretty geeky spiritual guy... So does that mean that uh, biological things we call matter, right, they have a other-than-physical component to them? That's a pretty good, uh, right. I, I took it off of, so uh, uh, for a physicist, when one is trained in physics and get a PhD in physics, part of what you learn is the metaphysics of physics. Huh. Um it's kind of been lost in our education system that a PhD, that philosophy doctorate, so you can, have a, you can have a doctorate in chemistry, a doctorate in physics, so it's a philosophy of, and what it means, what it's supposed to mean, is that if you go through that much training with the right rigor and the right teachers, you understand the philosophy of your science. So I, under, I supposedly understand the philosophy of physics, meaning if someone comes to me and starts talking physics-y stuff, I am supposedly well enough trained that I can say, I can follow them, or I can ask them questions, or I can say, you know what, your reasoning is not sound. Your reasoning does not conform to these laws of physics, or su such things as that. And so meta that, that, you, what you could say that's the metaphysics of, of physics, uh -huh. the things that are not, are, are not within the theory, but the things that, that you can talk about the theories or about the way that the physics is done. 
Um, so I, I applied it for the sake of those lectures. Like these lectures I gave in Boston probably 20, almost 20 years ago, wow. 18 years ago. I gave a series of lectures to the public in Boston. And I use that term metaphysics of biology because we live in an age where biology is pretty much only talked about in terms of matter, of matter. and chemistry. And it wasn't that long ago that, that biologists did not talk that way about biology, right? And then in the 50s, things completely changed, and it became biology equals chemistry. You know, <laughs> and that's pretty much if you go to school like I did, you know, that's pretty much what you're taught is that that's all there is. There, there's no, there's not, there's no such thing as biology. There's just complicated chemistry, right? And so you have these terms like biochemistry mm -hmm. or biophysics, as if that's all there is, right? Uh, and I remember I got in trouble, so to speak, in grad school because I would be asking, um, I would be saying things like, "Well, I, you know, I think there's more to biology than just chemistry." And boy, that was the wrong thing to say back in the 90s at a top research institution like Brandeis, right? You didn't, it, it literally was heretical. I mean, I, I remember being told um, to not talk that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, as you know, there was a time, I mean, 50 years ago, where people talked about the idea that if you worry, um, then it's all in your head and you can't get sick. And we know that's absolutely absurd yeah. today yeah. because we know it's probably the cause of most disease and the mind is not physical. So what's that about, you know? Exactly, exactly. So it's a perfect case. Yeah. Right, to say that mind, the mind is only physical is a classic example. Yeah, it's just of not. Where, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of sad. Uh, the, the hard sciences, I, as far as I can tell, for the last 400 years have had this problem where um, like we get we get a certain set of tools in our toolbox, right. and then we we really we fool ourselves again and again and think that we can explain everything with those tools, and even things that are absurd we you know absurdly or obviously can't be explained with those tools we still say oh but it must be it must be explainable so the mind must be explainable by chemistry because everything is chemistry right and i'm like no that's actually not a very scientific statement right science you, you went the wrong way right you have to have some theories and some models with which you can deduce and prove things and predict things right and currently no, no nothing in our chemistry or physics can predict mind <laughs> just, they just know. can't. So what it they can't. do, Dr. Clarich, in my opinion, what I see is they just say it's the brain. And you are the brain, and that's the deal. But we're not the brain, sir. There's yeah. no way we are. It's just the hardware. Yeah. Just the hardware. Exactly. Exactly. I have uh, <laughs> I have some noise next door. Is it bothering the nah, no. recording? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, it's cool. Fine. Uh, yeah, that, that, and that is a classic example. And... Um, and, you know, these days, I'm kind of, I've given up arguing with people about it, because right. if you don't understand that, that nothing in our current science toolbox uh, predicts mind, if you don't get that, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to spend the time to try to wow. explain it to you, oh. <laughs> you know. So you can uh, talk to colleagues or at the seminars or whatever, and they don't get the idea that the mind is not physical. Right. And, and, it, and they don't want to go there. They don't want to go there. They don't want to go there. It's a dogma. It is quite literally a dogma. Wow. And just like any dogma, if you if you scratch at it, the believers get very upset with you. Yeah. They do not 
scratch my dogma. And so I, you know, I, I, it's not my mission to scratch people's dogma. So I, I don't. <laughs> what is your mission, Sarah? What What is your mission yeah. on this uh, on this fourteenth day of November, twenty twenty two? I mean, exactly. you know, what is your mission? You just meet your grandchild, and she says, "Grandpa, what's your mission in life? What do you, what do you tell her?" Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, granddaughter, I am trying to fix science. That uh, <laughs> this, 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 um, this field of study that I have quite literally devoted my life to. You know, no, not exaggerating. Devoted my life to this field of study that we call science. Just right. like a musician would, de- would literally devote their life, you know, to music. Um, there are some aspects to this discipline that are broken. And they're they're either have already reached a dead end or they are going to reach a dead end. Hmm. And I don't want to see that happen. And I'm going to do everything I can to get things back on track with science. And what we what you and I were just talking about um, is is an example. It's it's one example. Like to 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 actually, if you don't realize that your science has its own dogmas. You, you you're not really a scientist you're more of an engineer you're yeah. not really a scientist right um or at least you know nothing about the history of science uh so that's one thing that needs to be i think changed is scientists need to have that level of humility where they they really do understand the limits of their models and of their logic uh and to and to not start pontificating as if you know, so a classic thing in physics is um, electric and magnetic fields. And Michael Faraday, back in the early 1800s, mm-hmm. he had this vision, this intuition that you could you could do the physics by drawing lines. So you would have like an electric charge. You have a plus charge here. Can right. you see my board? Yes, yeah. sir. We can see it. A minus charge here, and you would you would draw these things called field lines. Yeah. You know uh, that would and and you could actually start doing physics if you drew them, right? And he was very clear in his writings, this is a model. I, he says, I'm not saying that there's lines in space, right? He's he's saying, this is a model that we can do physics with. But very quickly, you know, that gets turned. The, the, next, the next generation understood that, but after the second generation and further, actually starts believing that there's lines in space. And that leads to all kinds of problems and silly arguments amongst people about magnetic field lines being broken or reconnected or stuff like that so that's just that's just one example now this uh, the the larger not the larger the thing that i am putting more attention on this question of what my mission with science is um all sciences desperately need to understand what we could call hierarchy or levels or sometimes people might end up using the word like organic or organism. Uh, so what do I mean by that? I mean, it's obvious in our bodies that you can't understand what a cell right there is doing. Yeah. Oops. You can't understand what a cell right there is doing if you don't know it's part of my body. You can you can watch the chemistry, you can measure the mass and the electric, but you won't understand what the cell is doing. It'll just seem like random stuff that it's doing, right? And uh, that, that principle needs to be applied everywhere in every discipline and what i'm currently focusing on myself is still the biology but also the astrophysics so it means that if 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 a scientist if an astrophysicist is studying say the moon right and just taking numbers and writing things down and making models if you if you're not going to understand 
the moon unless you unless you like start from the 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 knowledge that the moon is part of a larger system and the same with a planet you have to understand that a planet is part of a solar system otherwise it'll just seem like random number random measurements here's the electric field in norway now and here's the earthquake over here and here's the temperature change over the last 200 years and here's the change in carbon dioxide levels it it will all you won't you can't understand what you're looking at unless you under you start to understand how it's part of a larger system and when things are part of a larger system they perform a function they are doing something useful yes. so a liver cell is doing something that liver cells do a skin cell is doing something that skin cells do the only scout the only cells that don't have a function in bodies are cancer cells right they have lost their connection with the purpose they no longer have a purpose right they've lost that connection they, they don't know what they're supposed to do anymore yeah but aside from that every other cell knows what it's doing so if you see jupiter in the sky and you see saturn and they're entirely different like the, the, they're so different jupiter and saturn and then you see mars and you're like oh my gosh that's that's so different, right? It's not even gaseous. It's like rocky. And then you see Venus. You're like, oh my God, that's entirely. So to to current day astronomers, this is very confusing. Why are the planets different? It doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but if you look at it, that the solar system is a coherent whole. Now, I admit it's hard for us to understand what a solar system is, but still, it's a coherent something. It, it's incredibly complicated. It's a complex system, meaning you could literally blow the solar system apart if you change the orbit of our moon by a few miles, right? It's that sensitively balanced. Uh, so unless you understand that each of the planets is doing a different function, you're never gonna understand why the planets look the way they do, why they have the magnetic signatures they do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So is that an argument, and I've had people on the show, uh, um, for example, even, Many people say that the moon is not a rock, it's a plasma, it's a living being, it's a, it has a state of consciousness. I mean, it's possible. It certainly is possible. possible. This is another one, one of these, uh, uh, let's get a little humility yes, uh, back in our science. Do you really think that humans are the most intelligent and the most conscious creatures. I mean, really? We're as, we're as good as it gets? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't know the difference between a boy and a girl. No, really, okay, okay whatever. <laughs> so I, I know it's, it's difficult for us, all of us in our current age, to really appreciate what it would mean to say that the Earth is conscious or the Earth has intelligence, Right. okay? But yes, yes, the Earth has intelligence, and I would I would propose the Earth has a. a uh, I don't. It's hard to it's hard to know how to measure these things. Mm. But I would say the Earth has a, a a higher intelligence and consciousness than any any given person. But again, how do you measure these things, right? Um, yeah, and if and if we don't acknowledge that, if we if if that's missing from our sciences, mm -hmm. then the sciences must go in the wrong direction, and they must ultimately dead end. Yeah. Uh, if if they if they um, vociferously deny you know such purposes, uh, it's actually it's not it's, it's not even a scientific statement to say that the Earth is not conscious. I mean, 
what 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 evidence what, what's your theory what's your model what evidence supports it what evidence you know no, construct for me but instead it's just it just the, the hand gets waved the eyes get rolled and <laughs> and it's like no 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 the earth is not conscious right. like well may you may not believe it is that's fine but well, don't yeah. don't say it's a scientific this, doesn't this go back to what you alluded to earlier and what i think is going on in the medical model for i don't want to pounce on them but god love them um, this idea you go to universities and they teach the same stuff with the same old books and you walk out of there and doctors go through 12 years of school and I've interviewed lots of them and I don't know what I'm doing but I know more about the human body than most MDs out there today and I know what's that about I mean that's that's really dangerous you know a talk show it guy is really it's dangerous. Talk in the show last guy. two years we saw we saw yeah. how that can just go completely haywire uh, you know, and I think most of us, uh, I certainly understand better now what the medical education is. I even worked for doctors for six years. I developed, um, I was looking for my uh, phone. Anyway, I, I, uh, I worked on the voice recognition for, for uh -huh. cell phone. And we worked on um, a, a secure texting system for the medical industry, right? So really cool projects. But I got, so I got to work with the doctors one-on-one. -on -one, right. And it was, it was quite a humbling experience. <laughs> they they literally have an impossible life. They, there's no way to, right. it's just so hard. They have it so hard. So I really, that, that helped me to really have some compassion for doctors currently. But I also learned that um, medical education largely consists of um, matching symptoms with drugs yes. or symptoms with, uh, with uh, surgeries. That's like, it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's it. And occasionally, I remember once, oh my God, I, you know, <laughs> the one doctor saying, after we're talking for all the, well, maybe you should have some more vitamin D. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm like, really? Is this, is this the level we're at? That, that, that's after all this, this is the, uh, so yeah, it's, and as it's you pretty said, sad. And I appreciate what you said about a hard job because they do because, as you know, they have to do a standard of care. And, you know, if you present with high cholesterol, even though we know that's a scam, you've got to yes. uh, recommend statins. And we know that those are dangerous. But what are they going to do? They'll take away what their license they if they don't do it. Exactly. It, it, it's exactly. terrible. It's very sad. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. So um, I have seen videos from some of the crazy uh, cosmology truthers I've talked to, these strong strong cameras you know nikon babies of you know venus and other things and they appear to me as being light living beings just and not the uh, you know not the computer generated things that nasa puts out there with all these lovely colors that we know are computer generated they're not real pictures of these planets i mean are they it's a, it depends some are some, some are some are yeah, you have to, yeah. Someone like who's trained like me, you can tell. You can tell by looking of at course. whether it's an art of conception or not. Uh, so it is confusing, right? It would help if they would have in big letters above each one. You think? Yeah, they're not going to do that. <laughs> you think? And he, even even this 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 famous, what do they call the, the famous moon, uh, earth thing? What do they call it? The blue? You know, the ones on people's cell phones that they supposedly took from the moon? Um, the picture of the earth? from the moon yeah do you know what i mean that photo that real famous yeah, the, the blue the, the blue marble blue marble there's videos of the guy who did that thing and it was all on a computer that wasn't a real picture oh, yeah God. seriously well i mean i've seen the videos okay i've seen the videos there's uh, it, it's, <laughs> it is a confusing um 
area because there's also satellites dozens of them beaming real-time pictures well six minute delay or something pictures of the earth that uh various of us study it's it's, it is a tough one it's a tough one where where were we before we just got to the medical thing yeah we were doing the medical the the, the moon but the living planets the planets being oh the living yeah talk about that because something's going on with the yeah okay so uh one thing that might help is that so if you look at jupiter yeah in the sky let me put your full shot up there yeah um when when you and i look at jupiter so so let's, let's say the moon's here oops (laughs) <laughs> let's say that the uh that the moon is here oops i'll drop the other way no i'll drop this way. okay moon is here All right. you know a little sliver of a moon and uh and then over here maybe on a given night you might see jupiter and it's this beautiful kind of pale blue bright vi- vivid bright dot okay. All right. uh and that's that's the gas surface that's that is the gas body the gaseous body of jupiter okay now every planet has a magnetic body also some of them are much less defined so for example the magnetic body of mars is not so well defined but the magnetic body of jupiter is very well defined and it is enormous whoa that's a magnetic body of jupiter like, yeah. It's like a toroid, a toroid, what do they call that, torus field? Yeah, a toroid, a donut, a toroid, yep. A toroid, yeah. And it's not only is it that big, but it connects to Saturn. So Saturn's over here, it has its magnetic body, can you still see? Kind of kind of lost you a little bit up the top, okay. Yeah. So not only is the body itself of the planet yeah. like enormous, like it would it would fill up a large part of the sky if you were looking at it, but they also each each planet connects to the other planets' magnetic bodies Whoa. also, Whoa. and and this connects to Earth, so Earth's us over here. Right. So you have to imagine all of the planets being much bigger than what our eyes see, and at the same time all connected to each other and quite literally if there is a strong lightning strike on earth that will be felt by jupiter and vice versa isn't that that sensitive isn't that cool it is so cool it is really (laughs) cool um Hmm. yeah one of the stories this is just within the earth itself is uh back in the i think it was the 60s when they were starting to measure the magnetic body of the earth uh they the u.s had these research stations uh all over the world of course but there was one research station at the north pole or the arctic circle somewhere and there was another research station in antarctica and the research station in antarctica was they're listening to the magnetosphere of the earth you can do this with antennas you put out big antennas and you can listen literally to the to the crackle crackle hum crackle whistle whistle of the earth's magnetic body and they kept hearing this like click 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 this very strong kind of like click and, and and that was new like they hadn't heard that before and i don't know how they put it together i, I don't know this part of the story but what they found out was this is that that's the antarctica the southern people they found out that it was in the north pole that the research station was trying to connect and reconnect this generator uh so you have an electric generator in the arctic circle and it's simply trying to connect it and disconnect it that pulse goes all the way down 
uh, circles all the way down to the South Pole, the Arctic of the Earth. That's how sensitive these magnetic bodies are. And so when, th this is this is all kind of coming back to your question about living. Yeah. Uh, li the living systems. This is one of their attributes: is that they are very aware of their environment and each other. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you don't need this kind of awareness if you just want to have uh, a bunch of billiard balls floating around in space. You don't need it. <laughs> and this gets back to the function question, the purpose. What would be the purpose <clears throat> of having giant magnetic bodies to all the planets that are all connected, and when one changes, they all know about it? What would be the purpose of that? Okay, It's not a random thing. It's not just anyhow. Th uh, this, is, you know, this is how I'm sure. trying to help scientists think now. Right? There is a reason why the planets need to know about each other. It somehow is related to the health of the planets, mm -hmm. or maybe it's related to the sun. Maybe this is all just to keep the sun healthy. I don't know. But we need to start asking these questions. Wow. Otherwise, we will never wow. understand well, what it is. And can it be argued? I mean, I've had people on the show that argues that we humans, spiritual beings in these bodies, uh, we are a toroidal field. You know, that's exactly, exactly. what we are. This is you we have the same. We have the same thing, right, Doc? We have the same thing. We are the same thing. You can take out Jupiter and you can put a person there. Wow. Exactly. So yeah. what is... And this, this has been measured uh, right. pretty well. I've seen some of the original... You know, like a lot of things, the original data is pretty messy or, or it's, not, it's not so clean as this, but it's unmistakable. Yes, there is a toroidal field and it's centered right on the heart, you know. On the heart. Centered wow. right on the heart. Wow. Uh, wow. That's always around us. And then, you know, depending upon your level of excitation or depending upon your emotional development, how, how mature you are emotionally, um, your field will go farther, right? Yes. And it can, it can touch more and more people. And then when, when something happens to somebody, it can affect you more strongly if your heart is, is you know, open to that, if it's, if it's big enough. That's very cool. And if we are, in fact, spiritual beings that are not the body or the mind or the emotions, which I know that we are, I can't prove it, but I've left my body enough times to know. <laughs> I just know. You know what I'm saying? I just know. I do know what you're okay, saying. Okay, so, you know, I've had some experiences out there that, well, uh, I'm a screenwriter. I'm trying to figure out how to get make a movie about it. But anyway, then um, there could be a good argument that even if this toroidal field only goes so far, that you and I on some level are still connected. I am still connected to every other spiritual being on Earth, maybe on Jupiter. Uh, if they're there well yeah. yeah right yep yeah what do you think about yeah, that I, I love thinking about that also because um like if we're, if, if we're just connected mechanically so say to speak like what we're saying there's there's a physical aspect to this right there's a physical aspect and maybe it's simply at the level of mechanics all humans are connected okay but very few of us are aware of right. it yeah. though it, can, it leads to a great kind of pondering and wondering and meditating about you know our humans somehow we can we can we can be physically affected by things but not be aware of it oh, that's a to me a very deep oh uh, good stuff or a point yeah. of meditation it's good stuff i mean how often has it happened and we've all had it where you're thinking about mom you know, five minutes later, she calls. Now, those okay. are not accidents. I mean, come on. No. They're just not. not. <laughs> right. They're just yeah. not. Uh, 
Uh, have you ever heard of uh, Dean Raiden or Rupert Sheldrake? Sheldrake I have, but I don't know Raiden, yeah. So I've spoken to, I've been at conferences with both of them over the years, right. and I just admire their work so much. And so Dean Raiden, or I think it's just R-A-D-E-N, I think, or maybe R-A-D-I-N, um, maybe it's I-N. He, uh, he, 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 he has done such great work of taking statements like that, like when you think of mom, mom calls and designing these experiments and, um, you know, having a little random numbered alarm clock that sits on the, the volunteer's desk. And when the alarm clock goes off, you have, I first have to think about Patrick, give it a sec, right. and then I have to call him, right? right. So that, but, but I don't know when the alarm clock's going to go off, right? right? And then on your side, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, the phone rang, I think it's Michael, right? And, and, and everybody keeps track, and, it, and no one knows what's going on, and then you put all the numbers into the giant statistical analyzer at the end, and every time it comes up, yeah, it's, it's not random. It's not, it's not random at all. What do you think uh, we can learn, under, just understanding this idea that we are we got this toroidal thing going on and how that could be used to better facilitate our longevity and our health Ooh. Ooh. well we need so uh, <laughs> i'm going to leave the people the, the the medical practitioners who can already see it and sense it i'm going to let them continue they're they're on the right track i'm not going to be giving advice to them but to all the all of us other medical professionals who who rel who need some kind of an instrument, right? Which is fine. So you need an instrument. Um, we have to. There, we need a few uh, inventions along these lines. So, for example, let's give you one example: mm -hmm. the um, the magnetic field. This magnetic field geometry. Okay, that was measured by a little thing called a magnetometer, and what they. <laughs> The magnetometer is just this little thing that has a little has little um, coils of wire in it, mm -hmm. uh, or you can do solid state ones too, whatever. But you move it around, and it tells you the magnetic field direction as you're moving it. Okay, that's just a mag that's what a magnetometer does. And so for here, they literally took a long time. They just moved the magnetometer around in space, and they they captured. The direction of the field and the strength of the field on their little magnetometer okay so that that's okay but it takes way too long right <laughs> so we need someone some bright engineer needs to invent a magnetometer but one that gives you the whole picture hmm. the whole picture all at once because once we can do that then a practitioner will be in the in a position where you can say you literally could like okay take a sip of coffee mm -hmm. and i'll watch what it does to your field mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. or here eat this wheat this is you know refined right. white bread eat this and we'll see what it does to your field and you we would we would be able to diagnose you know everything we currently diagnose we would be whatever it might be blood pressure uh uh allergies the, you know the signature is going to show up any way any way you look at it you can you can diagnose you know, allergies by looking at uh, elements in the blood. You can diagnose it by looking at the skin. You can diagnose it by by the bloating belly. Right? right? There's it shows up anywhere you look. These problems, right? And so they will show up in the magnetic field also, electromagnetic field. And so then we just go through and we start cataloging. This is what it looks like if you have a wheat allergy. This is what it looks like to your field. And then after about twenty or I don't know how many years of this, then you literally sit in front of this magnetometer screen mm -hmm. and the doctor looks at it and goes, oh, 
I think this this indicates you have a wheat allergy and and a, and a and a aversion to bright lights. Whatever, right? It'll just be kind of like, oh, there it is. Um. Yeah, and then and then we well let me let me let me bring this up, and I think you'll find it interesting. Have you ever heard of German New Medicine? German New Medicine. German uh, New. No. It was a Dr. Hammer, and he um. His son died in a tragic accident, and he got testicular cancer not long after. And he, wow. he started thinking there was a connection, right, to the yeah. trauma. Huh? And mm-hmm. he then began to tie it in the idea that with son, then you have the sperm, and then you have a, that's where it would happen, right? And he began a lifelong search and research into looking at the brain after a trauma, and he proved with just brain scans, you know, it had to go through yeah. the mind, but just brain scans, that people that got traumatized for divorce or whatever, you know, then it, it affected the brain. And this was the yeah. beginning of disease, and it's called German New Medicine. And he worked wow. with people to let go of that trauma, in the, in yeah. the, in the, you know, in the mental world, in the emotional world, and the disease started to retreat. That's fascinating, eh? Yeah. Perfect. Pretty cool. It is, and so that's you know that's yeah. It's like whoa. If 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 we could have medical systems that look at uh, life, look at that. Exactly, that look at that, that invite that, that celebrate it, that are happy when somebody has a new technique instead of you know instead of running them out of town and taking away their license. Yeah, it's just uh, very very troubling the way they're doing it now. Uh, can I do a little break here and uh, sell a yeah. couple of products there? You stay right there. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. If you have a, a question for the good doc about all this kind of stuff, bring it on. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. We go, we'll ask Dr. Uh, Claridge about it. And uh, we definitely believe, or we, we pretty much believe, that these electromagnetic fields from 5G, 12G, cell phone towers, Wi-Fi's, phones, they have an effect on the body. Plenty of research to show it. It's not good. Uh, we don't know where it's going, you know, or I don't know. But uh, there's some technology that helps to um, give the body more energy, more chi, more mojo. Maybe your toroidal field increases to help protect from these things. I don't know. But And we don't make any medical claims. But there's a technology here that you can uh, hear, listen to Brandon talk about that you just might want to get yourself one because it's been proven to work. We're talking with Brandon Amalani, and he is uh, the man who brings us the Blue Shield technology to keep us all those little EMFs from uh, doing harm to our body. Mr. Brandon, the Blue Shield is a really beautiful little cube, right? That's the main product. And how does this work? Well, the, the cube essentially sends out signals into the environment that entrain the body. So the body is affected by all these electromagnetic fields in this in the environment. Uh-huh. And when Blue Shield's introduced into the environment, the body starts sympathetically resonating with it. And what we found over 30 years of development is that the body prefers the algorithm, the frequency range, the randomization of frequencies that are exposed into the environment, and the body stops attacking EMF or perceiving the as a threat. And what this does is it normalizes white blood cell count and it also starts to um, reduce inflammation markers from the body trying to attack the EMF. Wow. So essentially what's happening is the body is basically renormalizing and reallocating immune power to the body and it makes the body stronger and more well regulated. Good job, Brandon. That's an excellent explanation of how this 
technology works. It's called the Cube, the Blue Shield. See the ad on the front page. Use promo code 1RADIO for a 10% discount. Get yourself one. Take care of the whole house. That's Blue Shield right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. They go at 90 yards. You can get one of these little guys, too. And you juice it up with a USB, put it in your purse or pocket. It works the same way. It goes about 10 feet. So if you go out in the city where they got a lot of 5G, 12G, I don't know what they're doing. They're crazy. Um, this will help you get stronger. And they've used this with cows and chickens down in Australia. And they've proved lower mortality and better production of eggs and milk. Um, and so it's not a placebo. It's not like they listened to the show and said, yeah, I believe in that one. So there's something to it. Um, we just do what we can, you know. Uh, just do what we can. And use promo code One Radio on OneRadioNetwork.com. Starving for vitality, we're turning to energy drinks, stimulants, and pharmaceuticals to try to improve our focus, increase our metabolism, rescue our sex drive, and adapt to the stresses of modern-day living. Each year, an elk sheds its impressive antlers, regenerating an even larger set the following year. These velvet antlers have been a revered traditional medicine for thousands of years. Elk antler harnesses the adaptogenic and highly regenerative growth factors from this natural and ethical resource into a concentrated, bioavailable extraction. Its revitalizing effects span bone, muscle, and nerve support. Improve metabolism, cellular repair, sexual potency, anti-inflammation, vascular strengthening, and hormone production. Humanely harvested from free-range U.S. elk, extracted in organic alcohol, and protected in mirror on glass, our elk antler is available in three strengths to restore your vitality at any level. Check out uh, Sir Thrival. It's on our website, any Sir Thrival link. They have the colostrum, elk velvet antler, pine pollen. It's a, it's a wonderful um, um, organic um, food from pine trees that increases testosterone level. So that's kind of fun to have around the house. Uh, Shaga, Rishi, it's a great company. Wonderful products. The colostrum, very, very uh, good as well. So it's from Sir Thrival, and it's all on OneRadioNetwork.com. OneRadioNetwork.com. Let me see if I can find the right slide here and bring it up and continue with Dr. Claridge. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Ph.D. in, oh, is it originally uh, biology? Sorry. Uh, physics. Physics. Did you learn a lot of stuff there, Brandeis, years ago that you have now said, you know, that wasn't true? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can find a specific. Um, oh, well, you know, okay, I had one of my favorites actually happened while I was there. Yeah. Uh, so it's not exactly answering your question, but uh, but it came to my mind, so I'll say it. Okay, so in, in, the, in cells... Yeah. So when I started my graduate work, um, it was part of scientific knowledge, you know, that inside of a cell, that things get transported around randomly. Inside, inside. Right. So if you imagine a, a typical cell, and then there's a bunch of stuff inside, and uh, we, we knew things like that, you know, one part of the cell constructs proteins, another part of the cell... Um, collects garbage and throws it out. Another part of the cell um, is involved with um, forming uh, the structure 
of the cell. So th these kind of these these or organs and and functions were pretty well known uh, when I started. Okay. But <laughs> um, like how the garbage got into the garbage collection part of the cell mm -hmm. that was just, it was just considered random like the garbage just floats around everywhere and then somehow it randomly ends up or how if the part that makes protein well how do the constituents get over to that part that's making the protein oh it's just random it's all just kind of floating around right that was literally the state of the knowledge even though some people had shown that if that were true then the speed would be about a million times too slow for biological processes to happen. But no one was willing to envision that the cells had some intelligence or some, um, you know, some direct ability to direct their own, uh, you know, behavior. And I remember vividly, we were sitting in the upstairs room where we used to give conferences to each other. And someone had just gotten a video for I think it was from Caltech had just gotten a, and you know, these incredible devices, this guy actually found a way to get a microscope somehow inside of a cell <laughs> you know, and could watch what was going on, right? So very cool stuff, right? And what he, what, what he, what he saw was that um, there were sacks of things that were being carried hmm. through the cell in different directions. Um, and he was like, uh oh, is that what I think it means? <laughs> and after, you know, they, they, by the time we got the video, they had already done enough research to see that what was happening was so if the protein building part of the cell is over here, yeah. how do you, how does it get the raw materials? The raw materials are over here. The raw materials have to be packaged up and carried over on a little railroad track. And not only are they carried over on a little railroad track, but there's a little engine that sits on the railroad track inside the cell and it literally does this with its little wheels and carries this sack of stuff over to the protein production factory and then there's other things that are collecting garbage and there's a there's a, another protein engine that goes over and t literally grabs each of the little garbage things and puts them in a bigger sack and then it carries the garbage over to the other side of the cell and it goes and it dumps all the stuff you know so all the activity in the cell is being orchestrated it's all being controlled and orchestrated wow. <laughs> and that was an enormous change of how like everything we thought has just been shown wrong because somebody figured out how to put a microscope inside of a cell could these little choo-choo trains actually be just light and energy and electric electrical impulses rather than physically moving from four inches away well you're 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 getting into um so it, it's, it does seem like that they have a protein structure. I mean, they, they really do. I mean, they, they were able to isolate some of these things. You can, you can find. So there is a, I, I'm convinced that there is an actual protein structural aspect to it. But then you just, you just brought in the electricity question, right? right. <laughs> and uh, that's another thing I'm trying to move forward is the understanding how electricity plays much more of a role in biology than has been because as i said half hour ago all of us were trained that it's biochemistry biochemistry right right but no no one was trained that there's bioelectronics or bioelectricity and so it's 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 you really you're you're fighting i'm, I'm fight i and others are fighting against a paradigm and we're trying to say look electricity itself is crucial 
at every level of cellular processes. And we need to understand that, right? We need to understand how electricity is making things work. So when you mentioned electricity of the choo-choo train, right. what, I, what, I, what came to my mind immediately when you said that is that the electri electricity probably is involved with telling, telling it where to go. Like first the cell has to build the track. That's an amazing thing about the cells. They actually first build the track that needs to go to the right place. And so the, 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 the how to know where to build this track to, I, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, that's, that might be where the electricity comes in. Yeah. Uh, um, um, so you had mentioned cancer cells before, and that's such a big deal. It's like a $3 trillion industry. And yeah. it seems that this idea of treating cancer cells as evil and trying to kill them is not working. Okay. Just not working. People, in my experience over many years looking at this doc, uh, that people do better when they don't do anything with cancer. And they do better if they just start killing things. What do you think about that? Ooh, that is a tough one. My mother died of uh, cancer after like eight years of, uh, yeah. And, you know, she was doing all the things that chemo, you're supposed to do. Right, right. You know, all that stuff, surgeries and chemos and stuff. Um, so, you know, I got to see it not working. <laughs> uh, it, it's, a, it's such a tough one. Sure. It is such a tough one. It, seemed, it seems crystal clear that we don't understand it. We don't. We don't. We're using the wrong tools. We're making the wrong measurements. Um, and, I, you know, I once got into it, not an argument, but with a... Um, a very very smart doctor uh at Brigham and women who really is doing incredibly wonderful stuff and she laid it all out for me how no michael if you look at the statistics this way you know all these treatments are actually helping so i after that i've just kind of like thrown up my hands and i'm like i just i just can tell you we don't understand it i can tell you we're not we're we not just going don't at it yeah right. we don't understand what's really going on yeah yeah. Uh, yeah this is from emily many people on patrick's show over the years have suggested that we humans are electrical beings. I would uh, like to get uh, the guest opinion on that and what that means as far as uh, becoming healthier. Hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, well, if we could all just shut off all the cell phones <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Wi-Fi routers, I think we'd be a lot healthier. Okay, yeah, so ele electrical beings, right? This is, um, whew. Well, we are. We that I mean that we are. Is just we just are. We are electrically. Just you know, just as we are chemical beings, yeah. like we literally have molecules in us yeah. that, that are that are doing chemical stuff, and we are also uh, cellular beings. Like we really have cells in us that are doing their cell things. Uh, we are also beings that are made up of organs. You know, which are made of billions of cells. Right. So there's this hierarchy. Right. And as you as you go down, so to speak, um, you start to see the role of the electricity more. So, like kind of like at a, at our not at our ground level, but below the level of chemistry, everything about us is electrical. There's there's nothing about us that's not hmm. electrical. Everything about us is electrical. Um, to make ourselves more healthy, uh, I have. I, I <laughs> one gets pretty discouraged, right? When one starts to study this and then realize like literally 
12 feet that way is a Wi-Fi router. I have tried my IT. I've, I've turned it off. I've unplugged it. The IT team keeps coming in at night and replugging it in. I've tried to argue that it shouldn't be there. They've told me that it has to, you know, so one gets discouraged when when one starts to understand. And, you know, the, I'm sure your other guests have talked about this. The um, why these things, one, one of the reasons why these things are so harmful. To yeah, us, can you explain it not, to us? Yeah. Not that, what's that? Can you explain it to us? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not that gigahertz in above themselves are unhealthy there are there the universe is filled with all frequencies even ones we can't imagine so it's not it's not the hertz it's not the gigahertz or the kilohertz that's harmful what's harmful is the way that we use them in all of our all of our current electronics i don't know who how this anyway the way we use them is we turn them on so there's an electric pulse, and then the electric pulse turns off. And then it turns on and off and on and off, and then there's a blank, and then it turns on. And what's happening is this is sending digital information. The on-off is the ones and the zeros. One, zero, one, zero, wow. zero, 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 one, one, zero. And that's how the, the, the electric devices communicate. They communicate digitally. You probably heard this. It's going digital, like right, this, right, you know, right, right. whatever it's going. That's what it means is that it's sending ones and zeros, which in itself is mind-boggling that all of this stuff is being connected with ones and zeros. That just always blows me away when I when I actually try to think about it. But the way we achieve it wirelessly with ones and zeros is by turning on the electric field on and off, on and off, on. Off. So if you could listen, do you remember um, the sound of the modems, the fax sure. modems? Uh, originally, yeah, yeah, a lot of us older people. And it was a weird sound. It was right, and that's that's this on off on on off 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 on, and it's very unsettling. Like it's just it's just it makes you literally tense up when you hear it. Okay, this is happening. So the, so these these waves are bathing. Unfortunately, all of us now, you know, even and with the Starlink network going up, you know, we're going to bathe the entire world in it. So this is where it gets depressing. Not going there. Let me just let me just stay on the topic of this. So here's a cell. Here's right. a cell in your body, right. and all cells have a variety of structures that get activated electrically. So this is this is a little junction, a little doorway. Cells are littered with doorways, and different doorways let in different things. They're called um, actively selectively permeable membranes, something like that. Some selective selectively actively selectively semi permeable membranes, meaning like. Sodium only goes in through this channel, whereas calcium, you know, only goes out of this channel. And insulin only comes in through here. It's incredibly detailed and specific, mind-bogglingly complicated that every cell just does. Just, it just, just, just And then just even does. inside the cell, we have other functions. I won't go into them. I'm just going to draw a little thing here that says, like, I don't know. I'm not even sure what I'm drawing to try to help you. There's, but there's there's machines inside the cell, okay. And these are these are opened and closed electrically. So we the, when I in the in the beginning of graduate, this is another example. At the beginning of graduate school, it was assumed that this was somehow a chemical process. Mm -hmm. Must be chemistry, right? But then it was it was actually probably after I left graduate school that it was found that these doors are opened and closed electrically. And if you put an electrical pulse, wow. if you send an electrical pulse, like literally with 
an antenna, right? If you, you, can, you can get a little antenna and you can go pulse, 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 and you point it at the calcium doorway, the calcium doorway will open just from the electrical pulse and every doorway can be opened and a lot of the machines inside of our cells can be turned on and off with an electrical pulse. And the, the scary thing is that that electrical pulse maybe requires a threshold that's somewhere here, meaning every single one of these ones that goes above that threshold is going to open or close some number of your doorways at random throughout your body. That doesn't sound good. It is so exhausting. The poor body is ex exerting all of its intelligence, literally, to try to figure out what to do with this. Um, and it is so, I, I'm amazed we all haven't keeled over, frankly. This just shows you the, the power, the, the intelligence of the human the body. cellular level, yeah. right? To deal with um, it, yeah. Um, to deal with it right and so what we you know we when i when i sit next to when you sit next to your wi-fi router the cells in your body are literally being turned on on and off on and off open door closed door open door closer turn on, you know at at random because these these computer signals coming from your wi-fi to a to a biological system they're random they don't mean anything they are just random noises okay so yeah. So this, what I just talked through, is one of the reasons why our digital wireless age is wreaking such, is taking such a toll on all of us. And Dr. Clarence, we have no idea because studies haven't really been done on what these things are contributing to. All the usual suspects, from myocardial infarction to high blood pressure to diabetes, we just don't know. We just don't. Yes and no. So if we you do go it? back, as do I have, um, the research really started pouring out in the 70s from the U.S. Navy because the Navy, well, all branches of the military, but the Navy in particular was really using a lot of radar and using a lot of this high-frequency electronics. Mm. And then they still had somewhat of a conscience back then and so they started to do studies and they're like well what what's the result what's the effect of all this stuff if i have a radio engineer sitting in front of the radar switchboard for eight hours a day you know with these frequencies and these free whatever what's the effect and so they started look, looking into it and it's it, it's all documented it's terrible like you know heart attacks uh sterility uh strokes it, it, they live you know they they it's all and this is from the 70s yeah. So, um, admittedly, research has been squashed uh, in the last 20 years. It's almost impossible to get anything published on this question in the last 20 years. Well, um, so um, people have said that, that they could probably do this whole, all this technology stuff with with waves that are actually not harmful. Do you? You know, just a steady way without the off and on thing, and they could do it. Well, yeah. So that look, I don't know because I haven't done it, or right. I haven't met people who've done it. But it seems intuitive to me that yes, you could communicate the Wi-Fi thing with signals that were much, much smoother because mm. it's the rapid on and off that that's, that's what problem. opens the cell gate. Yeah. Is that that you turn it on and turn it off? That's what opens it. Whereas if you did this, it just seems intuitive to me, that it would not be as harmful. Yeah. 
you could almost, if you really got geeky, you could almost figure out how they would help the body. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. could make the body stronger. Why not? If you're going to do it, yeah. let's let's do it right. You know, Jeez. Yeah. Boy. Um, well, you know, we're talking about the this connection between matter and spirit, and right. how there's a there's a there's a matter, there's a, a material manifestation of various spiritual. I'm just using that vocabulary for the sake of making a point. Other than and, physical, um, we'll call it physical, spiritual. Other than physical, right? Sure. Okay. And and so uh, what I'm one of the reasons I'm trying to push fellow scientists towards understanding the role of electricity is because it's, it seems to me from my ponderings and my research that elect, the electrical world, electromagnetic world, is much more the, um, it's, it's the matter that spirit interacts with first. So spirit doesn't first interact with at the chemical level, doesn't first interact at the cellular level. It interacts first, spirit interacts most easily with the electronic the electromagnetic level. So, just to kind of fill out the picture, these studies that keep getting repeated every five years, where they want to know if prayer helps people. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and they always run the study, and prayer always ends up helping people, right? Yeah. And the same study has been run twenty-five times in the last, you know, eighty years, and it's always the same result that prayer helps. You know, if people pray, it helps. And so, th I think that's an example of where that. The prayer, there's a spiritual aspect or maybe even basis to the prayer. And how is that going to be communicated to this person you're praying for? Well, it seems to me that we should look first toward the electromagnetic. The, 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 that aspect of physical of the physical world that we call electromagnetic. That's, so to speak, the carrier or the chant or the way that the prayer gets gets to you. It doesn't get to you in a bottle, you know, UPS. Um, why did I bring that? That was some, you had asked something about. Hmm. Oh, right. If we could find the right frequencies right. that would make us yeah. healthier. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So my my answer was, I think we already found them. I think it's called prayer and, and love. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't love just be the perfect frequency when you really get spiritual about it? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, how are you going to beat that? You know, yeah. how are you going to beat yeah. that one? You know. Yeah, acceptance, acceptance, love, love compassion. You know. Passion, um, uh, lack of judgment. I have known people over the years that have actually got to the point where they begin to not hate their cancer and hate their disease and really begin to love it more and just trying to figure it out and saying, okay, well, what's going on here? And it really helps them to heal. Now, well, I mean, that's powerful, that's right? Come on. It's like, very powerful. Yeah, yeah, very powerful. So, um, Okay, well, somebody was asking about the moon, and this is uh, Ronald wants to know, so what's up with the moon affecting tides and people's moods and the term lunatic? And my mom used to say that more babies were born during a full moon. Does your guest have any theories on that? I'm so, I'm so glad we did this at this time because I have my... You got your little board there. I, cool. I know, right? I tend to think in pictures, so I, it helps me to talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the earth, okay, so here, the, the sun, I'll make the sun orange. The sun is down here. Okay, so there's the sun. And then here's the, oh, that's a Sharpie. That's not going to go well. 
No. And here's the moon, uh, Earth. Yep. And then the moon is going around the Earth. Right? So moon goes moon and it goes around the Earth. Okay. When I was, when I was talking before about um, electromagnetic bodies, right? So when we draw the Earth, you and me, we tend to draw the rocky, the water, the rock, and we call that the earth right? Mm -hmm, right earth the earth has what's what could be referred to as a magnetic body also which is just as real just as important maybe even more complicated than the than the rock and the water part and that magnetic body of the earth is big it like you know Huge. i don't know i'm just going to draw some i it's been a while since i've reminded myself of the scale of this but but the the moon is okay, here. The moon is inside the magnetic body of the Earth. It's inside. Wanna, wow! If you want to bring that to a biological level, that would mean that the moon is an unborn planet. It's still inside of its mother, right? It's still Ooh. not yet outside of its mother, and there is a very there's a there's an inner part an inner portion of the magnetic field that's quite strong and when the moon when our moon goes through that very strong section of the um of the earth's magnetic body then all kinds of connections um it's like a pulse it's literally like a pulse when the moon enters and leaves that strongest part of the of the body of the magnetic body of the earth and that pulse quite literally sends material back and forth between the earth and the moon back uh, and forth back can and measure forth. it right yeah. it's actually you know atoms of hydrogen and whatnot but it, so it's got a material aspect but it also has an electromagnetic aspect so there's electromagnetic we don't even have the right words for it yet in astronomy, right? We're, we're literally at the beginning of these questions. What is it that's being sent electromagnetically mm -hmm. back and forth in the Earth and the Moon? Okay, so now, okay, so that that's one half of the picture. Now, the question that the the listener asked was, well, here's us people on the Earth, and here's right? the oceans, and, right? The oceans, exactly, and the oceans. Okay, I'm not going to talk about the oceans right now, but but okay, so. D do we do do you and i think that our emotional and intellectual lives are affected by the moon well anybody who has paid attention to that question says yes completely of course it does of course these things affect us who hasn't at some point in their life you know had those romantic associations um you know with the moon i mean literally there's a full moon here and your lover is on uh, in Europe, and you're in America, and you can literally feel right, right. That, that, that that connection, right? So, if you're a poet, you already know the answer to this question. Um, <laughs> uh, and and there's and, and and you can go through the medical records. This has been there are there's plenty of studies that look at. Um, so at the hospitals, they always record the nature of the, the what how is the patient presenting, and uh, and there's a whole series of uh, emotional psychological boxes that can be checked like patient is anxious or patient is depressed or patient is angry you know it, it, right. and you go in the uk actually seems to keep the best of this so the, you can look at the uk data and it's 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 no it's no it's it's obvious right that when the moon is full 
more people are, are checking into the hospital with these various kinds of distress, anxiety, anger, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever. I, I, I don't know. I forget the terms now, but it's just blatantly obvious. And so to me, when I, it was, it was, it, I knew that first about the hospital data. Cause I remember asking the question, you know, and then later it was about 10 years ago, I saw some guy had put together this pulse that happens between the earth and the moon, especially when, like I said, when the moon goes through this particularly strong part of the earth's magnetic body. And I was like, yeah, it's almost like a, like a magnet. It's like pulling and pushing and pulling and pushing. And it's not just, it's not just a wave. It's not just like, you know, push pull. These are very complicated signals that are being sent back and forth. Mm. This is, we're talking organic level, complexity that's being sent back and forth between the earth and the moon and the electromagnetic sphere so if i were to hit you with some very complicated frequencies like a dvorak symphony or something right that would affect you one way it would affect me another way there's going to be a certain class of people that get upset that get sad when they hear dvorak there's gonna be another class of people <laughs> that actually get quite happy when they hear dvorak etc cetera, etc cetera, right <laughs> But it, we're all going to be heightened. We're all going to feel more of it, whatever it is for us as whatever type of person we are. We're going to feel more of it when that pulse is going <laughs> between the, the earth and the moon. Hmm. There's, there, I've talked to quite a few people that, that, that argue that this, this idea that the moon light is from the sun is ridiculous. And the moon has its own light and it's, a, its own living being. Now NASA would argue. It. NASA would argue that no, that's not right. But I, I've got some issues with NASA. But don't get me started. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very. Uh, <laughs> I would agree. I mean, it it, it kind of harkens back to how we started the conversation. Right. That if you're a trained physicist or astronomer, the only thing you're taught is that the light wave leaves the sun and then it bounces off the moon and then it lands in your telescope that's the only picture you're given right so that so you then you then this this terrible things happens in your head your mind <laughs> where you think that that, that model explains everything yeah. about the situation but frankly the only thing it explains about the situation is the directions like it bounced off and came to your telescope right so we got part of it the model explains part of it right but why is it that every person can look at the moon every person who's in, in touch with their own sense of sensitivities you can look at the moon and like you're saying no that's not just reflective light it can't be know? it can't be no it, it can't be yeah. and what do you how can you explain nasa says the moon is two hundred and fifty thousand miles away and the sun is 93 million miles away yeah i mean you think that's possible oh i do do you okay And then so the, they would appear as the same size, according to NASA, because of the, oh, you know, well, what's up with that? Yeah. yeah. Well, the fact that they are the exact same size is a bit of a mystery. Uh, that's <laughs> a whole other, but the, the distances themselves, yeah, I, I think, but why it is that the, uh, well, why it is that they could be exactly the same, and what what would be the physical effect? If you were to set up a system, right. let's imagine you submit a design to your friend, the electrical engineer, and you say, what I want you to do, the, the, the design of the system is, um, we have a source of electricity here, AKA the sun, and then the electricity is gonna go into 
this place. So the, the current flows from the sun to the moon. Okay, that, that's the system. Oh, but there's one very important um, little modulation to the system, which is that the current is going to be blocked off, completely shut off for a very short period of time, um, uh, 22 times in a century, you know, or some, whatever. I forget how many, how many solar eclipses are there per century, whatever mm-hmm. that number is. But it's well known, and it, it repeats. It's it, it's like clockwork, right? You can they they happen at different times, but the number is always the same. Uh, and so that's our electrical system. Okay, what would that do? What kind of electrical system is that? Well, that's a great question. What's happening to that? And if you if so, I'll just translate it for the electrical engineers in in the audience. That um, what you're looking at is a uh, a pulsed a, a direct current flow with a high frequency pulse on top of it. And when you do that, what happens to the flow of electricity is the electricity all races all to the surface of this collector here. So if I had to say, I want to build an electrical system where all of the electrical energy, or not all of it, a lot, where a lot of the electrical energy will be sent to the surface, that's how you would design it. You would design it with a moon, that is exactly the same size as the sun, which is supplying the electrical energy. Now, what do we know about the surface of the earth? It is filled with life. There's so much activity on the surface of the earth. It's like, a, you know, it's like a 24-7 circus bonanza, uh, wild show, yeah. strip tease, you know, war zone, constantly, 24-7 for centuries, right? Pretty, pretty cool. Um, so... There could be a pretty, very good argument that this concept of astrology where you could kind of predict what's going on in someone's life depending on the positions and the, the metaphors of the planets could be something there. Right? You know, I, I mean, if they're I living beings, right? If they're living beings as we suspect, these planets? Exactly. It, 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 it seems to me, though, that the, what we can gather from that from that science is what would happen to masses, crowds of people. I, I don't, I don't see how to apply it to individuals. I'm just answering your question. Yeah, I understand. To me, it's not. It, it doesn't apply to individuals, but it it does apply to masses of people and crowds of people that you can predict quite well. Um, like what I was saying about the Dvorak Symphony, right? That right. depending upon different people will respond differently. So yeah, if, if, if all this activity is being concentrated on the surface of the earth, and what we were saying before about the planets being connected, so Jupiter is literally connected to the earth and Mars is literally electromagnetically, I mean, connected to the earth. Yeah, if, if Mars starts doing some, starts doing a- A little dance or whatever. <laughs> a dance, you bet it's going to affect this, but it'll affect people differently. So if I'm, say, just more naturally um, uh, uh, not not so prone to violence, but maybe more to creativity, right. then I will take that and I'll make six paintings that month, you know, because that's where that energy uh, goes. And if you were crazy, you make you crazy, right? Something like that. Exactly. Or if I'm if I'm prone to violence, I will start literally start manifesting violence on other people because mm-hmm. i get i you know i get that energy and i think part of what's really gone sick in our current um hyper uh social media um connected news world is that the people in charge 
are take, building on what they know about human psychology. And if you can get all of us, most of us, into a state of perpetual fear and worry, and if you can give us enemies, like there's all, we're always afraid and there's of always something. an enemy. Always something. And the enemy is always another person, right? Yeah. Or those Russians or whatever, right? Then it doesn't take much to make us all go kill each other. Yeah, not a lot. This is cool. Colin wants to know, how, how much does your guest believe the sun affects our weather? Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, a lot. A I'm lot. Sure about the question. Yeah, it affects it a lot. Uh, I guess, maybe I guess the, the solar, I guess, you know, people talk about solar flares and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, that might be more what's going right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, I, uh, I don't know if you know, you may have heard the name Ben Davidson. Sure. He's done a lot of I know really that. good work with, to show that, the, that these, he, the research is out there. He is a master at bringing it together so that it can be presented in an hour or something like that. But that, yeah, showing that, for example, if you look at the solar flare activity, if you look at the solar flare activity, it, follow, it has its own cycles. And those cycles match the um, intensity of hurricanes and cyclones, but it's shifted by, I forget if it's three months or something, but it's a, there's a phase shift, right? And it's very clear that, that, yeah. that whereas, you know, before you know, literally 30 years ago, you, you, you could not have asked that question and you would have been run out of the, ge the <laughs> geophysics department if you had proposed that cyclone strength was connected right. to solar flares. Yeah. I mean, like, get out of here, you know. You're talking about suspicious observers, that Ben, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's cool. Yeah. He's, well, been, he's done a lot of good work. Yeah, uh, he's been on the show for sure. Oh, good. Well, um, let's see. Good. So can you talk a bit about your website, what is it, Orion? A U R E O N dot C A. Are you guys working on some cool energy thing? You know, the new stuff? Yeah. Are you? I'm just going to see what's, I have to go to see what's up there. Uh, I'm just looking at it. says, yeah, let me read this one thing. It okay. says, what if there were a technology that could safely neutralize radioactive waste while simultaneously creating clean electricity and rare earth elements? Whoa. That's yeah. that's pretty broad statement there. You're working on this stuff. This is what statement. you're doing. Yeah, we. Um, yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, we, uh, mm. the Sapphire Project, started almost ten years ago now as a an astronomy project, right? A privately funded astronomy project uh, to see to try to elucidate in a laboratory what might be some of the electrical aspects of stars okay so most people if i say that to them, they're like oh that's interesting but if you say that to a trained astronomer you know they they will get angry at you because no there is no electrical aspects of I stars. Yeah. shut up uh go, <laughs> shut up. go do your right so um uh yeah so but anyway our, and so we we were able to we were able to um not mimic but um and replicates a little strong mimics probably a better word we we were able in a laboratory to mimic some of the solar behavior that has been unexplainable from the, the existing model the existing model says that stars are these lonely yeah. these lonely beings that are eating up their fuel and converting hydrogen into helium and they don't talk to each other and they don't eat uh, and they, they burn themselves out and they die a lonely, dark death. That's 
believe it or not, the current. I understand. No, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so um, the electrical model is very, very different. It's really just the opposite. You know, the electrical model. Oh, I drew, erased it. You know, the toruses, right? So stars right. are toruses also. Yes. <laughs> Right, and they're connected to other stars, which are also Tauruses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that, so after after we finished that, we you know we 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 gave some we gave a little tour, a little world world tour. We we uh, our our donors, we you know thank you so much, and they were like, good job, guys. And then we we looked back over some of our date because we worked at a pretty fast pace. It was quite a delightful kind of a dream a dream job to be able to do this and then we had a little breather we went back to look at some of the odd stuff we 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 noticed before but didn't have time to research and we were like oh uh, hmm, we we are we are we are changing uh elements into other elements hmm. changing elements uh, into other elements yeah and so uh well, what what could be a what could be a use uh, by useful? I mean, like in, as a business, what could be a useful business? And one of us, we were during one of our you know talks with all kinds of other people. Somebody, or you know, sometimes when you're with a group of people and the discussion is lively, a topic gets introduced, and then literally four days later, no one can remember who introduced it. Right. right? So we can't really remember how it started, but we were like. Yeah, what if we could change radioactive stuff into non-radioactive stuff? That would be really, really useful. So that's that's what you're reading here on the website is oh, uh, radioactive. So is that is that making an argument to use nuclear energy but make it safe or no? Well, to some, yes. For, to me, I I want nothing to do. I wish we would just shut all yeah shut, <laughs> shut them all, them down. all down. But that's a longer discussion, and I and I I don't. I don't hate the people who who are in favor of it. It's just it's a it's a long discussion. That was my opinion, but certainly it's an argument that we could use this technology right if if we can develop it. We could use it to help things. We could help things a lot if we could clean up some of this stuff. Is this any different or any parallels with the idea of Nikola Tesla and using divine spirit or just the energy or chi or God? And to to do energy like uh, people have done in the past, theoretically. That, that's a great question, yeah. and it it is way that cart is way in front of no that horse no what, no that cart <laughs> is way is way in front of uh, our current horse. <laughs> oh, it's in front of that current horse. Well, it's just that might be true what you just said, Patrick. But yeah. it's it uh, in terms of the work we're doing in the lab, it, it, I I don't have a way to. You don't have a way to do that. that. Yeah. 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 Well, you're great fun to talk to, um, and your website is exactly that. People can go in there and kind of look at what you're up to, right? Orion, A-U-R-E-O-N dot C-A? Dot C-A, yeah. That's, that's, that's the Canada. My, the half, half of our crew is in Canada. So that's what, this is where you're going to keep digging into to see if you can figure out how to make this um, so we don't have to run out of electricity. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's such a tricky. There's so it's such a such a volatile industry. Um, we we are literally, you know, we have to be very careful what we say and yeah. what we talk to and stuff. Um, I'm just focusing on if I can help. If I can help clean up some garbage, uh, that is literally my focus. And if I can help do that, I will be very happy. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm going to do a controversial. Oh, I don't controversy or not. What do you What do you think about this idea of man-made global warming, and we're all going to die any day now? Well, we 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 certainly might die any day now. There's no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the anthropogenic uh, global warming. I've always been confused by that one because back back whenever you know, ten, twelve years ago. I was being a good doobie, and I was reading those IPCC, however yeah, you say it, reports, sure. and I was following all that, and it was it was a very unsettling feeling. Like, I I look at all this stuff, and I'm not coming to the same conclusions that are being broadcast all over the place, right? And you learn that you can't. I mean, if you want to talk, if you want to say, if you want to stand up in a room full of scientists and say that I, I, I see some troubles with the conclusions here, you're taking your life in your own hands, I know, right? You I know. literally could be fired, you know, for, yeah. so you learn to keep your mouth shut. I hate that, but you know, it's like, do I really want to fight this battle? No, I don't want to fight this battle. Um, but I, I didn't come to the, <clears throat> the same conclusions at all. What I kind of came to was that this, this, the carbon dioxide is is not a red herring but it's it's the wrong thing to look at because sometimes the increase in carbon dioxide comes first yes and the temperature goes up but other times the temperature goes up and then the carbon dioxide increases so they are clearly related but they're not i don't see them as causal right uh so does that mean that humans have no effect on the weather no it does not mean that humans have no effect on the weather but i the way what i started to see was all the various forms of poisoning that we are doing from chemical poisoning to electromagnetic poisoning to radioactive poisoning right. that these things are very much affecting not just the weather but literally the entire ecosystem of life on earth and i think that is what needs to be focused on and if they're affecting many humans and we all have this little toroidal field i mean you could kind of spread that out you know exponentially and see what's going on with health and well-being and whatever right i mean yeah. crazy land well thanks for coming on the show i i sure appreciate it and uh um, it's been a pleasure talking to you yeah, really really been pleasure. fun yeah good job thank you dr claridge see you soon you are welcome patrick bye bye uh, take care dr uh, michael claridge pretty fun huh man Talking geeky stuff with scientists. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, uh, he's definitely not a flat earther, but to be, there's everything that he talked about with the planets and the sun and the moon, and then uh, was all incongruent to um, you know being an immovable plane. But I didn't go there with him because I uh, just felt no need to do it. But he. <laughs> Pretty fun, huh? Okay, kids. Well, what are we gonna do? Or what's going on? What are we gonna? Are we gonna just uh, leave? And I think so. Okay, we're gonna talk with Dr. Elizabeth Bright tomorrow. If you want to do that, she's gonna be here at ten o'clock, I think. Ten o'clock, and she's a good one. Um, you can go to elizabethbright.com. She's doing some cool stuff with. Diet and Nutrition, Naturopathy, Osteopathy, and connects the inside to the outside. I think we'll have a good conversation with her. And then she got a cool um, book on menopause. If you gals are getting close to that thing, we'll talk to her about that. Also, 
good fat is good for women, uh, good fat, so she's not a fat Nazi. So I think we'll have fun. I know we will. Lots to do. Okay, and then uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who is at the forefront of Show Me the Virus. There is no virus. We're going to find out what he's up to and uh, be joined by Andrew Kaufman. That'll be tomorrow at um, noon. Uh, Yeah, noon. Tomorrow. Tuesday. Okay, I don't know what's going to happen Wednesday. Adam Bergstrom is due to be on Wednesday. But then we just found out that the California people, Newsom et al., are actually, they're turning off his power from time to time. This is happening. This whole energy thing is happening. And it's happening in California. I mean, every now and then, every other Wednesday, they just turn the power off. Because they say they don't don't have enough. But they want people to all drive electric cars. And where is the electric going to come from? These people are just delusional, in my opinion, but don't get me started. So that's why everybody from California, most a lot of people are moving to Texas and Florida, Tennessee and other states such as. So Adam can't even do the show because he's not going to have electricity on Wednesday. So we'll figure something out. Okay, kids, I love you all very much. Thanks for being here. Uh, let me know if I can help with anything. Patrick? OneRadioNetwork.com. Hope you enjoyed doing this this morning as much as I did. Two great guests. Yeah, listen to that show we did on Africa. And you talk about global warming scam? Who? Hello. There's this thing called COP27, COP27, going on in um, somewhere for the next week. And the whole thing is about convincing Africa, if you can believe it, two billion people to not use your their gas and electric and oil and coal and go to a green energy. But by the way, we want to we buy all this stuff from you. It's a remarkable show with uh, Lawrence Freeman that we're going to start running the, uh, the video like right now. If you're sticking around and you want to watch this video, he'll curl your hair with what's going on with these globalists uh, wanting to kill uh, the African people uh, by just shutting off their, their energy. So that's going to come up in about two minutes, one minute. Just give me a chance to get it up, and boom. And you'll see uh, Lawrence Freeman, who we talked to about three hours ago. So I love you all very much. Thank you. Good job. We'll see you. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.